0: The season two premiere of Big Little Lies, what have they done, is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here by a woman who uh, insists that she is not wearing fake teeth. The teeth that she is wearing are entirely her own. <laughs> they
1: are. Uh, but what she a weird is, rumor. And, and you
0: are of like a modest height, so I believe that we can trust you. You are a trustworthy person. Emily I wore Fox, my heels to this. Emily Fox in the podcast studio. How are you, Emily? So...
1: Who are we planning to
0: kill? Who are we planning to kill? We're planning to kill time for you on a <laughs> rainy Monday in, uh, in New York City. Uh, maybe not rainy wherever it is you are listening to this podcast. And let's be honest, it's probably not Monday anymore by the time that this podcast is airing. Maybe it is. Uh, but either way, we are here talking the first new episode of Big Little Lies since 2017. Uh, yeah,
1: I was just looking at it online, actually. I didn't realize we had a whole break.
0: Yeah, well, it's been a long time. I mean, I think that HBO, they they like... Sharp objects kind of filled that space that was left in the void. <laughs> yeah, of Big what little kind of lies. troubled
1: woman could we have covered otherwise? I don't know, but they're
0: but they're back with with a second season. Yes. Uh, Emily and I have already recorded our preview show, so this is our second Big Little Lies podcast. Hopefully, you listened to that one, and this isn't a total blind side that this podcast exists. Though, if it does exist, you know. It's, a, it's a ho- hopefully a happy blind side. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope, hopefully you're, you're up for that. We've been uh, really touched by the response, a really big response from, from those of you out there who are listening to this and showed a lot of uh, excitement and appreciation for the existence of uh, what we had called on the podcast Big Little Guys, uh, <laughs> but has since been rebranded uh, by, the, by the great Brendan Fitzpatrick behind the Post Show Recaps Twitter account, Wig Little Lies. Uh, and I've also seen Big Wiggle Lies.
1: I almost said like Big Whittle Lies. And then I was like, I got
0: to stop. Big wiggle lies. I
1: know I screwed up. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would have been cute. I would have liked it. Which do you like more, wig little lies or big wiggle lies?
1: I like wig little lies. Wig little
0: lies. So yeah, wig, wig little lies is happening right now as uh, the the great Emily Fox, my wonderful wife, has joined me for another season of podcasting. Any regrets yet?
1: Don't you feel angry?
0: The only regret that I have is <laughs> Sorry, like I'm you're like, you look Mara like Mara <laughs> you just look like you're deep in your phone right now like you keep holding your phone That's up and my I can't notes are. I just I can't tell if like you're if you're in this or not are you in this
1: Dude, I'm so in that my notes are pulled up.
0: Okay, so what do you want from me? I want, I want. I I'm at a
1: podcast. I'm going to do a great job.
0: I want you to do a great job. So much uh, pressure
1: living with you. I have so much to live up
0: to. You have, a, you have a lot. You have a lot to live up to. I am a very big deal. I don't know if you, if you know this about me. <laughs> you're uh, a very
1: wig deal. Yeah, I'm
0: a very wig deal. You have nothing to live up to. I am, I am nothing. I am nobody. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I am the, the son of, uh, of, a, of a wonderful mother who is, uh, who is listening to this podcast very likely right now. Shout out to to Mama Wiggs who is going to. be along for the ride at least in the audience here on wig little lies which uh i promise we will not censor any of our commentary uh she has she has opted in to listening on this podcast at her own risk uh any awkward commentary (laughs) it it just we can't we can't censor ourselves we can't check ourselves we just have to pretend like we are podcasting without my mother uh listening in okay are you comfortable with that yeah
1: of course i am dd i'm so sorry in advance
0: we're going to say very awkward and terrible things. I don't and think we are. <laughs> I, I, I certainly am. I promise that I Within am. Within the
1: context of the show, yeah, but like like your own relation like you, are you like my mom would show up with fake teeth well no I just my like, death well, if I, I die well I was, I was imagining <laughs>
0: that like what if I had died under mysterious circumstances and like my mother came to like live with you to and like, our help, twins and, and our twins uh <laughs> and 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 came to live with you and the twins to like help like reconcile things and get things back to normal and if she was like mega suspicious that something like dark and sinister had happened to me I mean my mom is the nicest human being on the planet but I think she'd blow her top. I well, think she'd yeah, go I think nuts. Well, yeah, anyone's
1: mom would be upset if their son died, you know, under the the circumstances. She would have a
0: huge scream of grief, and it would be it would be very alarming at the dinner table.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Remember when you had a huge scream of grief uh, last night, Emily? <laughs> yeah we were getting out of context that sounds horribly uh personal
1: we were getting ready to go to sleep and (laughs) not very flattering for me yeah thanks for this um you really set me up here yes no we were we were getting ready to go to bed and you called to me from the bathroom to be like em are you listening and i looked up and in that moment there was a giant centipede on the wall Right next to our bedroom window, and I was
0: like, "God!" Screamed really, really loud, much like Meryl Streep had screamed just a few minutes earlier uh, as we were watching The Big Little Lies, or like everyone every thirty premiere. seconds
1: in the show Oz, which we've also been we've been binge
0: watching Oz. Uh, you may have to check out a different podcast to get our takes on Oz, uh, the pi- the great pilot season by uh, Michael J. Clark. Uh, that is an episode that Emily and I will be uh, featured on in the not too distant future. So shout out to Michael, who will also be featured here in this podcast not terribly long from now because he is one of the many people who sent in feedback and by many people I mean like not a ton of people yet but we're really we're in our infancy here on on Wig Little Lies this is episode one Uh, really easy to get your feedback into us Uh, postshowrecaps.com slash feedback is the direct form it'll send us an email that's really easy for us to collate and collect so I love that form but if you want to tweet at us that is also chill that's really cool you can do that Uh, Emily is at omelet like an omelet with an e instead of the o? Yeah. Why are you just staring at me? Like you're, that's not, you're,
1: you're doing a great job. I'm doing what do you good. Want? I'm doing okay.
0: Well, I just felt like I, I I'd said it wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm at round Howard. That's me. Did I say omelet weird? I said omelet. As if like that's how you pronounce omelet. I that's mean, what I. Good. That's what I was gut checking. All right. But you can tweet your feedback to us that way. You could also tweet <laughs> to the post show recaps Twitter account at post show recaps. Uh, that those are the those are the best ways to to get your feedback in. As we've said before, we're recording these mostly on Mondays, uh, so you got a little bit of a turnaround. Not a not a huge uh, amount of space to get your uh, to get your feedback in. But we'd love to have that. We'd love to be able to to dissect your thoughts uh, all season long. We'd also love it if you subscribed to post show recap so that you can listen to what we are doing here on the Big Little Eyes podcast, post recaps dot com slash iTunes to subscribe on iTunes or just subscribe on whatever, you know, podcast platform of choice you choose to use we do not have a dedicated feed yet uh, for big little lies i'll look into that so for now just subscribe to the main post show recaps feed not a ton of activity uh outside of big little lies right now on the post show recap side of things anyway so you'll mostly be getting a pretty filtered big little lies feed for the next little while though i will i will tease that uh, a, a good friend of mine who i have not podcasted with in a very long time He and I are going to be getting together for a little bonus coverage of of something rather delayed Mm. uh, later this week. So keep an ear out for that. We also have the Throners, the Game of Thrones award show. Our final Game of Thrones podcast is going to be coming your way next week. Voting ends tonight as we are recording this June 10th. Uh, So again, it may be a little late, uh, but (laughs) lots of votes have already come in. We're really excited about that. We're going to have a really fun show for you there. Uh, So keep an ear out for all of that. Do you like when I say that, keep an ear out for all of that?
1: I keep thinking of earwigs, which are close cousins of Centipedes.
0: Yes. uh, Friends of mine, the earwigs. We get along rather well. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Earwig. Earwig Little eyes. All All right, right.
1: Pivot. Pivot. Let's
0: let's pivot, let's pivot into the episode proper because we're almost ten minutes in and we haven't really talked about Big Little Lies, which is uh, an unfortunate start. But I blame we have
1: you for this. a lot
0: of business to get through <laughs> right up front. Uh, season two mm. of Big Little Lies it is upon us. Uh, we we now you know we we'd kind of wondered like well, what's the what's the show going to look like in a second season this is originally conceived as as a done in one novel and so a done in one uh you know mini series of the show you
1: mean one and done
0: i meant one and done uh (laughs) but it was done you can also say it was was done done in in one it was done in one book it was done in one season and it is now going to be done in at least two seasons who knows if it's going to if it's going to have life beyond this um but I think that these actors obviously just loved working together. I think that the team uh, involved in creating the show loved working together. We have a different director on board. As we've mentioned in our preview show, Andrea Arnold is uh, has stepped behind the camera in place of Jean-Marc Vallée, who was such a tone setter for the first season of the show. And I don't know if you noticed, got a special thanks at the end of the credits. So clearly a lot of reverence uh, to the person who who kicked off uh, the you know the, the the directorial side of Big Little Lies that is not as involved uh, for for season two. But just even before we get into like what happened in the episode yeah. for you, Emily, um, did did the first episode like justify the existence of a second season of Big Little Lies? Were you satisfied with this? Did you feel like this was a good choice? I'm glad that they went back to the well.
1: I might be coming from the perspective of we
0: could have let this exists. Big little lie. Where, yeah. where it stood. Interesting. How come?
1: I just sort of feel like the the dialogue, while it's obviously, you know, the same characters and the same people didn't feel as smooth. Sure. Felt a little bit more contrived this time around. And I don't know. I think maybe it's because I'm sitting there with a critical eye knowing that the book was written and we sort of finished off the book in the first season that the second season is sort of like, you know, uncharted territory. Where are we going to go with this? I think as I I rewatched it again because I, I wanted to sort of take notice of smaller things. And I liked it better the second time I watched it. Yeah. So I don't know if I was being a little bit too judgy and critical of it just because I was like. Like you're oh.
0: really close to the original because the original was so good. And yeah. You're like, oh, I yeah. Don't know, keep and going. like are
1: we are we beating a dead horse by doing this? Is it really necessary to do? But then Meryl won me over and I was like, OK, well, if yeah. Meryl signed on to this. Like there's got to be
0: some juicy bits Throughout this, so many juicy bits, Emily. (laughs) Everybody knows that I love juicy bits. Uh, I I kind of agree with you, and I think I think like, or at least I agree with you up to the point where like I was a little you know cautious about it. I was I was excited that you know you and I were going to have an excuse to podcast together, and I loved the first season, and so like I was I was going to be happy about all of this anyway. But I, I think when the when we got into the opening credits and the theme song was just like, it was slightly different, right? Yeah, they have like
1: like an orchestral track in the background and they put strings in.
0: And so it's just like, I kind of felt like a little bit off right off the bat and then i saw in the opening credits i saw the and meryl streep and you know how how like they you know for all of the leading women on the show they show them you know driving the car from like the backseat perspective of and the, the sea kid. turtle
1: was still in the it the sea
0: turtle was still there but i think it was when yeah, i saw eye out
1: for the sea turtle in the credits emily
0: loves the sea turtle in the <laughs> credits but i think when when i saw the when i saw meryl streep in the front seat i was like okay i can't i can't be anything but really excited yeah about like TV don't show be a hater right
1: like uh, upon second watch, I was like, okay,
0: yeah, Yeah, relax. yeah." I, I hear you. I think it took some getting used to. It was a little bit jarring. I mean, it's definitely, it feels, you know, it's, it's a different director, so yeah, things th- are going to be different. I think
1: that, I suspect that's probably what, what I noticed
0: most. It feels like a little brighter, like the coloring, like feels just like, it just like kind of feels like a brighter show. I think like there's some like aesthetic changes. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's like different haircuts and stuff. Which, you
1: know, just, You're not a bangs man, it's just, just I'm, say I'm,
0: it. Not necessarily. It was just, it was just a little, you know, things look a little different in in season two yeah uh and so like that was you know that was noticeable for me so i think it took a little bit of getting used to
1: as it always does none of this stuff is seamless if you if you stop filming sure. for a year and are creating a brand new script and storyline right
0: but i think oddly enough you know I, I was really i was really won over by the complexity of the meryl streep character mm-hmm. i like that it seems like this first season isn't in the same way building up to a future event So much as it's it's looking backward, you know, and I I think that like you're kind of like through the looking glass of the of the big karaoke debacle. Yeah, Uh, like we're through the looking glass, like the the entire first season is building up to what's going to happen on this night. Now we know. So now rather than building up to some other traumatic event, I'm sure that there are gonna be traumatic events along the way. And I'm sure that there will even be like a big traumatic event by the end of the season. Sure, yeah. But it doesn't feel like it's setting that up in the same way. The talking heads are done with. We're not doing like you know, we're still going into the interrogation room to yeah. a degree. Yeah. But we're checking in with uh with the Monterey Five. I like that branding by the way I do too. We're checking in with the Monterey Five instead of all of these other talking heads who are now like more characters on the show, like the Princess is like actively like you know worried about gluten-free cupcakes and baked goods and stuff like that
1: right but like do i care to know more about him maybe not and he makes like a snide joke about like services only being reserved.
0: No, partners. Ed is the snide one. He's the snide one. You're right. Actually. That's right. Sorry. That's
1: right. That word's so fresh in my mind. So
0: fresh. Named so fresh. So many
1: times. I know. Yeah. He, <laughs> he
0: really he, dro- he drops a hard F yeah. uh, describing, yeah, but describing like, Ed.
1: I don't know. Like, I don't care about some of these peripheral characters any more than I did in the last season. So I don't really care to know about them more but now. But it's one
0: episode, right? Like, it's one yeah, episode yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah. And, and the other piece of it. And like, so I, I was I was sucked in by by Meryl as Mary Louise, who I'm who yeah. I'm really excited to talk about more. I liked that it seemed to be, um, you know, I kind of like rather than rather than like trying to like swim really far out and find like, what's the next Island out there? Like what's the next storyline that we really need to tether ourselves to. And rather than doing that, it feels like it's sinking, right? Like it's sinking into the vortex of this horrible thing that happened. Truth. And why did there need to be a lie about it? That's something that yeah, I had even I wondered love that.
1: about. I love that part where everyone's like, well, Madeline just came up with this and you're all going along with it. Right. And why couldn't we just be straightforward from the get go?
0: So I think that that's really exciting. I, I think that, I think that it's a smart, choice rather than you know rather than really giving us something to look forward to I I think it was a really smart creative choice to give us something that we're we're reflecting back on yeah uh because there's so much more information that we know about like we didn't know anything really from like we didn't know um like we didn't know how, how Jane like interacted with Perry, for instance. Like, we right. know, like, the big cataclysmic event that came out of that, but knowing that it was Perry that was Ziggy's father and that it was Perry that raped Jane, like, adds this horrible human face to this horrible, uh, atrocious act. And I feel like being able to dig into the character relationships now between Jane and Celeste and keeping Perry kind of in the mix as this boogeyman, we're seeing these nightmare sequences, we're even seeing, I think, flashbacks and stuff. Totally. Uh, I think it's a compelling choice. But the thing that really, really won me over was the episode was like 45 minutes. I know, you were like, that's it? It was wow. like maybe like 42. I don't I don't have the exact runtime. Mm-hmm. But man, more 40-ish minute dramas in this day and age, please. That's a perfect <laughs> runtime. It was it was wonderful. I was thrilled. I think that there are probably a lot of people who were disappointed by that, that like it was, you know, 9.44 and we were already at the credits, and I think that the episode began. Like 903. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. I think that going a little bit shorter, a little bit tighter, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. So I think that this has the potential to be like a really briskly told, obviously incredibly acted compellingly directed the editing is still in place a lot of those choices of you know letting things kind of speak for themselves rather than really leaning on a moment too long um i i love all of that so in in a lot of ways like it feels a little bit different it feels like it feels like big little lies with like a, a little bit of a new coat of paint on the yeah. house but it feels like the same house
1: i craved the structure that we had in season one and i think that sort of colored my uh sort of judgment on it to yeah. begin with, where I was like, oh, I really loved how we were jumping all over the place. And this one seems a little bit more fluid, even though it's it's basically um, bookended by Celeste having terrible nightmares, right. which I think is really creative in a way where she's just like going through all of these motions and Perry's in it and, you know, horrible things are happening. And then Mary Louise is there each time she wakes up.
0: Yeah. She's a real asleep. nightmare lurker. lurker well, yeah. She's, she's sort to...
1: of terrifying, right? As we sort of un- unveil each of these layers where she's very... <laughs> She snide.
0: She's a little snide Backhanded, as well. Yes. Manipulative. Yes.
1: Um. All of those good things. Yes. So let's let's delve into all that. Yeah. So we'll, sure. we'll we'll
0: dig, I, I think it would be you know better than like digging into it scene by scene and yeah, going sequentially. Man. I think it, it would be better to just like kind of go into each character story. Sure. Uh. And and sort of focus in that way. But in broad strokes, uh, the season premiere it takes place. Several months, at least, after Perry's death. Uh, I don't think probably quite a full year, but it's a new year. It's second grade. It's the start of second grade. It was first grade in the first season. In the
1: book, it's kindergarten. So it's first grade for the show. And then obviously this is
0: second grade. grade. Uh, The children are growing up. They yeah. look
1: bigger, isn't they, that weird? They
0: look, you know, these big little guys, like they're they're really growing <laughs> up before our big little eyes. Uh, oh we, we've got, uh, you know, every, everyone is, you know, we've got like the the season the season two glow up for so many of these different characters. Uh, the show is beginning at the start of second grade, and everybody is carrying the secret of what happened uh, very differently. Yes. It's it seems like these women are drawn closer together in in some ways. Like Renata is hanging out in a car with you know you know three of the other. Women. Well,
1: that was sort of like a meeting of the minds, though.
0: But like we're seeing, like they're interacting a little bit more. It feels like they're bonded by this traumatic event. I do think that a lot of the character dynamics that we are seeing in this first episode. Make it pretty clear that uh, the adhesive is going to, you know, stop working at some point. in the It's not an abrasive terrib- adhesive. You know, at some point in the not-too-distant <laughs> future, I think that a lot of this stuff is, you know, the, the cart's going to fall apart. And we, we see a bit of that already in this episode, that Bonnie is taking it really hard. Madeline is really trying to just kind of toe the company line. Uh, Celeste is trying to deal with the fact that she has this very big presence in her household, in Mary Louise, and also her own feelings on the marriage are very yeah. complicated. Which yeah. I think is cool. Uh, Jane is uh, Jane seems like she's doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> yeah, she upgraded. She's she, living in a great she's, looking you know, apartment. She's in, like, in a yeah. great looking
0: apartment. Uh, but but there really is. She has bangs now. The husbands are doing their thing. Like everybody's <laughs> kind of just like basically the same exact person. The kids, not a ton to talk about in, in that realm yet.
1: I don't know. We're seeing more of uh, Josh and Max interacting though. A
0: little bit. Yeah, we are seeing more of that. Um, so we don't know exactly what those stories are are building to quite yet um but i think that we can we can take stock of where everybody stands and, and let's start with you know the essential main character of the show it's an ensemble but if there's if there's one who's sort of at the forefront i think it's reese witherspoon yeah as as madeline who uh in season one she's unemployed full-time mom
1: no she's not she works part-time at the community theater right
0: she had just brought that on to herself because <laughs> she had spent a long time being unemployed full-time mom yeah, yeah. she wanted to build that into her life um did we get a sense of what happened to avenue q did it did it go forward
1: doesn't really mention it. Doesn't really say. We, All we see is the the theater director's wife. Wife.
0: Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen him. We haven't seen. Uh, I think. The fruit department. Uh, Joseph, I believe, is in the, uh, in the produce. Yeah, Joseph Bachman, played by Santiago yeah. Cabrera, or as Hiro Nakamura prefers to to call him, Isaac Mendez, uh, the great comic book illustrator with the ability to to see the future through uh, to to render the future through. Through his art.
1: All right. Reel it back in. Perhaps
0: Avenue Q <laughs> is the, the storyline of Avenue Q will be instructive for how uh, all of Big Little Lies will end. So, uh, you know, go back and study the puppets. No. You're not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> so we, we haven't seen him yet. Uh, but Madeline, she's a realtor now. Yeah. She's selling houses. Yes. Uh, and she's apparently killing it crushing the game
1: yeah seems like she's
0: doing really well like
1: printing money in monterey
0: yeah that's what she says do you do you like that this is something that she's poured her energy into she seems like 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 how do you feel like she's processing everything that's happened like she seems like she's
1: compartmentalizing it like she has everything else in her life yeah it's pretty clear
0: yeah she's like really poured her energy into just like making sure that she's distracted
1: perfectionism man
0: yeah, she I feel that. She's, she's I get that. <laughs> I've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but it's it's not even that like she's like really kind of like mama bearing the lie, you yeah. know, like she's kind of mama bearing the the like monarchy five. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that she's, you know, she she understand oh, we we see in this episode that things with Abigail with her with her daughter are out of her control, at the very least, whether you want to like make a value judgment on what it is Abigail wants to do. Abigail wants to you know be part of this startup, this for profit for homeless housing. Uh, and she doesn't want to go to college. And Madeline takes that very, very personally because I guess Madeline didn't go to college.
1: Yeah, I think she was too young of a mom, apparently
0: got it so there she go. she didn't get the chance and like she's worried that her daughter's like she's gonna be flipping burgers she's gonna be working walmart whatever you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's she's worried for for her daughter because she you know i think she looks back on her own life and wishes that there were things that she could have done differently
1: i mean doesn't everyone put that on their kids Gra- well
0: i mean like, even beyond kids i think like you know grass is greener is one of the most universal feelings of like you're you're on your track and like, yeah. you can't help but think about what's on the parallel track truth even though you would hop over to the parallel track and you'd be like i ah, well, wonder what's on the parallel track you know there's parallel tracks to every parallel yeah track. anyone
1: who switched lanes in traffic knows this feeling yeah the point <laughs> is, is we'll never
0: be satisfied and we'll always feel a little bit empty Sort of like this dead air that just occurred as you have no.
1: <laughs> I just don't know how to respond to that. We
0: got we got to work on that. Uh, all right, so Madeline,
1: <laughs> Madeline, dramatic pause.
0: It just a very dramatic pause. Uh, so Madeline is uh, she's she's pouring a lot into this, and she seems like she's really trying to to, to control the situation yeah. and. It turns out that she was the one who got everybody to agree upon the lie yeah. uh, which is it's kind of surprising to me that everybody played along with that considering Madeline was wasted at the karaoke at the charity event and like what did she like sober up enough immediately to be like we got to lie about this and here's the plan and everyone's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah true, true 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 well
1: okay so here's the thing if you like everybody
0: were... else was stone cold sober I think or at least close enough
1: even if they had one drink, they're a little bit lubricated to agree to something that is very traumatic that just happened in front of their eyes. And they only have a few minutes to really uh, collectively
0: figure out what to do. Yeah, I just think that it's surprising that the person who like pounded like nine drinks like we you okay, and I watched you're you exaggerating. She had I, like three. You and I watched the finale before we watched the premiere, like right before she like has like three drinks in one shot. And they aren't they aren't like, you know, small. Drinks. No, I.
1: But, like, here's the thing. I'm just
0: shocked that everybody, like, is following her lead on that and that she had sort of the wherewithal to, like, come up with a plan and everybody else is like, yeah, no, that makes a lot more. That makes sense. Well,
1: what do you do? It's fight or flight. I guess. And they were all, like, you're flipping out because all of this stuff just happened so quickly. It escalated, you know, in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So what do you do? You all get together. You huddle and you say, okay, how are we going to get out of this?
0: Right. Uh, Either way, they're following her lead. It, it does feel like, at the very least, Bonnie, maybe she'll be like kind of the catalyst for this. But she seems like the one who's like, I don't know why we did Well,
1: she that. has the heaviest bear, like burden to bear. Yeah,
0: she killed a man. Yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> not nothing. It's not nothing. It's not she nothing. Had,
1: especially since she came out of nowhere and did it. In right. the book I've been reading, she, uh, she has much more of a, of a character arc. Uh-huh. So it makes more sense why she would be involved in this. Now that I have enough distance from both things, I'm seeing that...
0: Uh, Are they kind of like transposing the character arc from the book into season two, does it seem like?
1: I don't really know yet. Okay. It's not enough of a season for me to really make a judgment on that. But, um She does seem like kind of out of left field with... Uh, the murder in the show okay. versus how she's portrayed in the book. Okay.
0: Cool. Uh well we'll see see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, I believe Bonnie's parents are going to be characters in season 2. Oh. Uh so maybe maybe there's they're going to dig deeper into into Bonnie. We'll we'll get into her in a little bit. Uh through through Madeline even though uh this character is is most directly connected to Celeste and we'll we'll talk about celeste in a moment i think madeline leads us really nicely into just like let's stop burying the lead let's talk about meryl streep yeah uh, mary Ma- louise mary effing louise uh, mary louise right uh is the character that meryl streep is playing and i'm so happy that we have like seven full weeks of this character what a, what an it instantly. Are you what, thinking
1: an Emmy nomination? Right oh, I mean, that? yeah,
0: I think as a probably it's a, <laughs> a I would guess a locked up Emmy win for, okay. for Meryl All Street. Right. Just Meryl right. Street.
1: Mark it down, everyone.
0: I think it, I would. I mean, I don't know who competes. I don't know who competes when you've got Meryl Street putting in fake teeth. I know. To align herself. Uh, and maybe you didn't notice this. To align herself. To invisalign
1: herself. <laughs> to, to
0: herself. Mary Louise. Uh, uh, as played by Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep is uh, is is has fake teeth to play this character, and I I noticed instantly that something something unusual was happening with Meryl Streep's mouth. Uh, it's like, oh, that doesn't look like Meryl Streep's mouth. Something is different here, and it turns out that she is wearing fake teeth for the part of Mary Louise this year. There's an article on Vulture today that dives into that a little bit more. And it was her decision. It was a Meryl Streep choice mm. that she wanted her teeth to more closely visalign with Alexander Skarsgård's so that she looked Stop, more really? like Perry's uh, mother. And
1: that's some that's some true dedication right there. The Vulture
0: article is written hilariously, really? by the way. It's a very funny read. And it does a lot of like going back and forth between like gifts of Alexander Skarsgård as Perry and then Meryl Streep. As Mary Louise, I really
1: want Stellan to come into
0: this. I mean, that would be incredible too. If we could get some lose Stellan Skarsgård. My mind. Problem with Stellan Skarsgård is he can't do a great American accent. Yes,
1: he's fine though. He he's fine. Fine. does fine. And why does he have to be American?
0: I guess that's true. I guess he could just be Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah,
1: he could be like I came over from Sweden. Why am
0: I like even? What universe am I living in where I'm trying to like poo poo more Stellan Skarsgård? Yeah, and we just got I got mean, out of... they
1: practically live in a glass house. How could you? Oh,
0: belong? a glass house indeed. <laughs> Chernobyl just ended, so. Yeah. Is Stellan Skarsgård, he he's, he's tied into the HBO family. Yeah, he's got this. I would be I would be thrilled. Maybe season three. Let's just keep meeting Perry's Guys, family. Guys, if
1: anyone with any power uh, over Stellan Skarsgård or any other Swedish actors uh, yes, could just, you just have, like, drop a note to HBO, let if you them know. Have the,
0: if, if you have the Stellan Skarsgård charm, the voodoo doll, uh, and I know one of you does, uh, I want you to to march that voodoo doll into HBO headquarters and demand a meeting and get him into the room, and then everything will just fall into place. Uh, beyond that Meryl Streep fake teeth to look more like Alexander Skarsgård. She's going to win an Emmy. That's an Emmy winning <laughs> decision. That is commitment.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's impressive. So let's talk about her.
0: Let's talk about her. Because, How chilling is she? Well, it, it, How freaky is she? Well, and, and it's a, fun, it's a, it's a very funnily written article. It's very, it's a, I laughed a lot reading it, but it, it, there was a, there was a great point that it, that it stressed in, in that vulture piece that talks about like, you know, beyond like the the utility of making Mary Louise look more like Perry's mother, and I think like that's a little bit debatable. I don't know how much of a of a job it's it's accomplishing there. It is giving you some strange distance from this iconic actor. Uh, that you're, you know, you know Meryl Streep so well and you've seen her in a thousand different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's so recognizable. You know, she is the, one of the most famous human beings on the planet. Uh, one of the most accomplished and gifted, you know, performers of, of, of our lives. Uh, and she's, she's dropped into this character and just like something is a little bit off something is a little bit different. Something is a little, like there is is this sort of, uh, as the Vulture piece calls it, like this uncanny valley quality about her because you're like, something is wrong with her mouth. Like that doesn't fully look like Meryl Streep. And I think it does, in, in that regard, I think it does a highly effective job of absorbing you into the work that she is doing right. as this character well, who that is always very happens with her, right? unsettling.
1: That always happens with her where she she melts into whatever she does. That's yeah. what makes her so good.
0: Yes. So she's fully melted into the role of Mary Louise who we see very quickly like she's first you know interacting with Celeste and like she's, uh, she's there when Celeste is having nightmares and she's really at her side. She's uh, defending Celeste in the car ride with the boys when the boys are not you know treating their mother respectfully. Right.
1: So it's setting all of us up to be like what a great support system she has now it's
0: like the first of two really great <laughs> screams from mary louise she's uh screaming in defense of celeste uh she talks about how fine young gentlemen uh start as fine young boys it's a great lesson mm-hmm. take heed uh but you get to (laughs) you get to see her fangs uh literally in this in the form of like you really start to notice the teeth uh but you really get to see the fangs and when she just opens her mouth and goes (laughs) and you really get to see her chewing on scenery as she is as she is as she is sipping some coffee at the cafe yeah uh where, where madeline and celeste are both going after drop off and it's the first exchange of i assume many between itself, yeah. mary louise and madeline who they must their paths must have crossed at like the funeral uh but they don't know each other terribly well uh and gloves off right away but in that passive aggressive way that's so much fun where mary louise she says you're very short but i don't i don't mean that in a negative ma- in a negative way but maybe i do like she's like you know immediately dismissing it. knife it's great yeah it's so great because Reese Witherspoon is incredible and I think an underrated actress. Like, I think that she's, you know, she's, she's obviously iconic and she's super fun in, in most things that she's in. Uh, but I, I think often, like, we underrate just how super talented she is. Yeah. And to see her in this role with her brand of energy going up against Meryl Streep as Mary Louise, it's really, really combustible yeah. combination.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Super fun to see the two of them. And Meryl's
1: like little lenses that she's like snootying over.
0: Everything, everything about her aesthetic is awesome. Just like the short haircut, the glasses, the way that she like her posture, the
1: teeth. Yeah. The teeth. Yeah, you feel tremendous judgment just being, you know, in the same room watching her. Yeah. And you're not even seen by her. You know what I mean? Like I, I immediately it, it's like a chill in the air.
0: She has a line uh, later in their second scene of the episode when she's going to, to look at real estate and she's at the same real estate agency that Madeline works at. Uh, and she like kind of apologizes. Like it's a very yeah, cold apology. Yeah. It's a non-apology mm-hmm. uh, for the way that she treated her earlier in the episode and talks about how Madeline reminds her of an old friend from boarding school who was untrustworthy and had like this like false pretense about her. And she says, And you just remind me of her so much. Yeah. Like,
1: and you're oh. like, oh brutal. Well, I have to tell you, the dinner scene. Yeah. With Celeste and the boys where she feels like screaming. Yes. That's what locked me in where I was like, okay, this is going to be great. Yes. And I almost feel as though the director knew too, where she was like, no, this is how we're going to really usher everybody. No,
0: I think everybody knew it was going to be great when they locked in Meryl Streep. Well, yeah, obviously. (laughs) But like,
1: that's what (laughs) really got me. And I just, I lose my mind over this quote when she's like talking about how little boys miss their fathers and all these other little boys like have their fathers, but nobody ever sort of measures up to what Perry was. And then she talks about being among her peers and how all of them have sons. She goes, I felt so angry, angry that their mediocre, second-rate, pudgy, balding, middle-management sons are still alive. Yeah. And my Perry. I wanted to scream. So you know what I did? I did scream. Want to hear?
0: Oh, God, don't do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Okay.
1: <laughs> I already got it out last night at the 17th. Yes,
0: yes. But, like,
1: Seriously. How chilling is that?
0: Very chilling. She's so good. I don't know where. I love it. I don't. Ah. I don't know where it's gonna go because, like, I, I, like, they can't. Like, I don't think that they can. Like, I don't know what the what the violent future of Big Little Lies is. You know, like this isn't a violent Secretly,
1: show. It's a, it's a secretive, like, like violent sort of undertone you know what I mean, I mean?
0: There, were, there was a lot of violence in the relationship between Perry and Celeste and that was always really really harrowing because it was so like it, it felt like so far away from the facade that's put on by so many of these other characters but you have
1: to imagine that that's probably something Mary Louise has taken on or had Well, You you do you
0: I mean, listen, like you can't just like say automatically that like Perry was abusive. So he comes from abusive parents. We don't know that you can't make a blanket statement like that. But it makes you wonder, like, where did he come from? Right. And so we're seeing that at the very least, like she is uh, she's very emotionally intense. Um, to the point of being, you know, emotionally and verbally abusive in this very sharp, snide way yes. towards Madeline. Yes. Uh, and you wonder what she's grooming Celeste towards because Celeste is having <laughs> well, these...
1: Well, murdering someone. Yeah, she's
0: having these <laughs> nightmares, and Celeste's, you know, the final scene of the episode is when Celeste has that, has that nightmare, and she's, you know, she lurches up. She says, I'll kill you, I'll effing kill you, and Mary Louise comes in to reassure her, and the final line's so great, like, so who are we planning to kill? You know, and I don't think that she means that as like, all right, let's go kill someone. But I think she's she's trying to dig into all this sleep talk that Celeste is having.
1: Yeah. Which is, you know, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Celeste. Nicole Kidman uh, back for season two, of course. Uh, She is uh, she is sans Perry, but not quite. I mean, Perry is dead. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, obviously still a part of the cast, obviously still filming new material for the show. And Celeste is is not far away at all uh, from at the very least the, the ghost of this man. Um, first of all, did you just have any thoughts on how the Celeste story is playing out? Anything about that that really struck you?
1: I mean, I think it's probably pretty true to life for anybody who has gone through something this traumatic and lost somebody that they really loved and were very, very conflicted over even when he was alive. You know, I think she had a really complicated relationship, which she even says, you know, to um, Jane later on, it's complicated, right? And I I feel for her in that way. She sees the therapist. The therapist is like, listen, you're you're still acting as though you're married, but your husband's dead. Like, you need to be able to move on. And like, you're still blaming yourself for all of this when in reality, he was the one, you know, that was the abusive triggering partner in the relationship. So, you know, for her to sort of be mom in certain spots, you know, where Mary Louise is like, aren't you angry? Why aren't you upset? And she's like, oh, well, you know, like. You know, she she has a lot of different emotions going through. And I think that that's perfectly normal, especially given what's happened.
0: I think it's uh, I think, again, another smart creative choice that we're we're reliving like this horrific incident through her nightmares. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And through her memories, too. Like there you're seeing you're seeing like these flashbacks between her and Perry, which I love. They They were like like, slow dancing. They were like kissing like gently, tenderly, like she's watching Perry be like a really good dad. Humans are freaking complicated. Yeah. I mean, Jane says something like that to Madeline in the finale of season one, where, you know, Madeline is confessing to Jane that she's had an affair with uh, with Isaac Mendez, uh, the great comic book artist who could see the future. Oh my God. Uh, and she's she's like, you know, she says, like, I'm a horrible person. And Jane's like, you're not a horrible person. Welcome to the human race. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I think that there are like degrees of, of horror. No, Perry uh, was like, like a monster. Perry was Straight you know, up like, monster. What was a nightmare creature. But there are there are associations you can have with something very bad that are still like happy, like, you know, like your relationship. You loved him. Your relationship to something awful can be really layered and can be like, you know, like like obviously, like objectively not a good thing, but can still have like bullet points of goodness. Uh, And I I think that we're seeing that through the Celeste story. And I, I think that that's. That's fascinating, because I'm sure that we're going to continue to see like the nightmarish yeah. qualities in him as well, even within celeste's nightmares, like we see her uh, like at the uh it's like in vitro like is something she has I, like, some sort yeah, of yeah,
1: yeah, that's just a dream she has she's
0: having some dream, and I, I looked at you, I was like, oh my God, is it possible that like he had gotten her pregnant? Yeah. Uh you know cuz they were trying for another kid in season or 1. He wanted one. He wanted one. He wanted one. He like he put that out there uh, and I was wondering if like that had happened. I don't know how much time has actually passed since season well, 1.
1: Well but... she she would know by now, I
0: think. Well, I mean, what <laughs> well obviously, but I think what <laughs> what we could have been excluded from is is there uh is there a baby in the family like that we just haven't seen yet? I feel like that would be a big uh you know, elephant in the room to not be showing us, but in the day of like this this day of TV, like some sort of like big 11th hour reveal like that feels kind of possible. It would feel a little cheap to me, but I I was wondering. Well, in the
1: book, um, she apparently had fertility issues Mm -hmm. and they exhausted in vitro and a, a whole bunch of other, um, procedures, but then she ended up getting pregnant with the twins naturally. And that was sort of like a fluke thing that they neither one of them
0: expected. So I
1: think maybe that's a flashback, especially since Leanne Moriarty is like partially responsible for the script in this this season as well. Yeah.
0: Well, she yeah, she 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 and David E. Kelly are credited with creating the story on
1: all of this. So maybe she's just touching back on something that was sort of a nugget of information in the reading, but didn't necessarily translate on screen from season one.
0: Yeah. Uh, We see like one of the aspects of the nightmare is like the police lineup. Uh, of of, of the Monterey Five, and they were still in their, uh, their Audrey Hepburn gear. And uh, mm-hmm. the person who's like picking them out of the lineup is Perry. Yeah. And Celeste lashes out. That's what leads us into the, the final scene right. of the season. I'm just I'm really fascinated to see where all of that goes. Totally. Uh, obviously, like they're, they're going to be playing a lot with uh, I, I think as the as the show is getting like more internal into these characters, I think like expressing that outwardly uh, visually is a really compelling choice.
1: I also think it's interesting that we're noticing how the boys interact with one another and Celeste is sort of like keeping an eye on them and they're kind of violent towards one another. And that's something that, you know, is just sort of like a, a like a little, I don't know, Easter egg of information that's sort of sprinkled throughout where you see one of them stab the other with a fork like right. that's not great. No. Or they're fighting in the backseat, which, you know, is I think normal kid stuff, but like could be worse. So, you know, it's it's interesting to see how this might shake out, you know, is Celeste becoming more heightened and aware of her kids behavior because of this? Um, how much of it is is grief related versus like their nature? And their nurture, we right. don't know.
0: We don't know. So. Uh, from Celeste, I think we could we could go on and talk about Jane, mm-hmm. uh, who Jane like obviously newcomer to to Monterey last season uh, had so much baggage that she was dealing with, not knowing who Ziggy's father was, uh, the just the the tra- the traumatic events surrounding Ziggy's birth and and the rape and everything like that, and the severe trust issues. And in the finale, she simultaneously puts together that her, you know, her rapist and Ziggy's father was Celeste's husband. And then this man is killed instantly, Uh, you know, dies right away, uh, basically. And um, you wonder, I wondered at the very least, like, how was she going to live with that mm-hmm. in the second season and she
1: seems to be doing okay she's
0: in a new apartment she's got a new job she's working at the monterey aquarium which you and i have been in that part of the country I've uh never
1: been to the aquarium we, we have
0: not been to the aquarium that Gotta feels, see some sea
1: turtles <laughs> feels like a,
0: a huge missed opportunity shut up tim let me know what we're missing uh should we on, on our next trip to uh to to the pacific coast should we should we put the monterey aquarium I hear parking is a is a challenge. Oh,
1: really, we're going to talk about it this much.
0: I just feel like parking's a challenge, and it should be. If 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 that's true or not, I'd like to know. I would like to have that validated uh, <laughs> for me. I would like to have. That. I
1: would like to have my car valeted. Yeah. for me,
0: <laughs> Jean marc valeted for me. Uh, we have so so Jane's working there. She's got like this new coworker that she seems to be hitting off with. His name is Corey. He's played by an actor named Douglas Smith. Yes, uh, who is uh, he was in Big Love, Big Little Love.
1: That's what I know him from. Another, H- okay. another
0: HBO show, uh, the Bill Paxton, rest in peace. The RRB. Bill Paxton uh, the Bill Don't Paxton series, started. or he's Ben Henriksen. He was the eldest son okay, of that the makes Henriksen a lot family. Okay. He was also in The Bye-Bye Man, uh, which was directed by uh, the great Stacy Title and her uh, husband, uh, written by her husband, Jonathan Penner, of Survivor fame. They are going through a lot, and our hearts go out to them. Uh, so he's a new character here, Douglas Smith playing Corey and seems like maybe being built up to be some kind of romantic interest for Jane possibly which makes me feel sad for Tom Uh, yeah
1: what happened to Tom did they even go to the same coffee shop this time
0: I don't think so Wow. I don't think so. I think it was a different shop. So maybe something. Well, I mean, didn't <laughs> Gordon, Gordon uh, Renata's husband, didn't he like threaten to like pull all of his friends from going to the coffee Does shop? So Does he, he even drive have any
1: friends? Did he, he was dra- just watching a train set did the he, whole season, he, the whole episode. Did he
0: drive him out of business? Who knows But Tom seems to be nowhere in sight. Uh, Sorry, Tom. Uh, yeah. He fell
1: down those stairs. Uh, <laughs>
0: metaphorically. Fig- yeah, metaphorically. Figuratively. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of Ziggy in this episode. Ian Armitage very busy being the young Sheldon.
1: He has more hair, though.
0: He's got more hair. He's looking a little bit older. Um, I wonder how much of a Ziggy story we will get this season because of the actor's other commitments. Uh, he's got a very prominent job uh, that I man- imagine is a, also a very demanding yeah, and job. he's of
1: no threat to any other children imminently, so it's like a sweet that. kid, sweet yeah. kid.
0: You know, I think that there is a story to be told and it's hinted at in the in the scene between Jane and Celeste where they're talking about um, Perry's estate. Yeah, Perry's estate and how Celeste is trying to give Jane money uh, from it because Ziggy is his biological son uh, and she doesn't seem to be cashing the checks. She's not accepting the money.
1: Yeah. She calls it rape money.
0: She calls it rape money. So she's not she's not feeling great about it. It's
1: complicated. It's complicated for her too in, in other ways, obviously. So, you know, I think she still has that to kind of reckon with. Yeah. And how that shakes out, we'll we'll obviously see. Um, but she does seem to be on the up and up. I f- I I wonder if it was a relief for her to know that he's no longer alive.
0: I feel like probably. Um, I think I would expect that we are going to see scenes. Of her with Perry, like I bet that oh, we yeah. will be invited into yeah. that night. Now that we know who that character was, yes. Now that we know that that connection is, I'm very scared to see some of that stuff. I'm not excited for what that could look like.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not either. But I think it, it draws more on on yeah, understanding her character that much more.
0: Who are you calling a moron? Um, we have, uh, yeah, we have that scene with Jane and Celeste, and and Jane is uh, trying to go. How are you not mad at me? You know, I, I slept with your husband. Right.
1: I knew he was married. I knew
0: he was married. I didn't know he was married to you, but I knew he was married. And I wasn't fine, obviously, with the way that the night ended. But I was fine with things getting to that point. Um, I wonder where that's going to go. You know, I, I wonder, like, what, what will the dynamic between Jane and Celeste be by the yeah. end of the season?
1: Because we'll Mer- Celeste is,
0: like, being, like, very, 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 very good to, to Jane being like, marriage is complicated. And like, I don't hate you at all. Well, I wonder you if there's going wonder, wonder you
1: know? to be a breaking point for Celeste in general, because she seems to be, you know, sort of gliding through all of this. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she's very upset. But she hasn't, like, had her, like, freak-out moment. Right. And will that happen at Jane? Will it happen at Mary Louise? Will she go to the therapist some more and, and really let it out? Will it happen to all of these people? We don't really know we yet. We
0: just don't know. Yeah. Um, Bonnie, let's talk Bonnie. Let's talk mm. Zoe Kravitz. And Bonnie is the one who is most obviously um, struggling with what happened. Yes. She's the one who literally killed Perry.
1: And it would appear as though she doesn't feel like she can talk to anyone, including the women, um...
0: She, she feels crazy. very alone.
1: Yeah. And I I sympathize, you know, or I empathize. <laughs> I've, I've never killed
0: anybody. <laughs> as far as we know. <laughs> Certainly no centipedes.
1: No. Oh, God. No, you killed that. I did. I'm uh, sorry. Thank you. I appreciate I apologize it. to the um, centipede
0: enthusiasts out there. I had to do it. It, yeah. it was really, there was no other way. It was huge. I tried to do it non-lethally. It was, it was like
1: was, the size of my pink It finger. ended up being
0: a killing, and I'm sorry.
1: Okay. Well, um, she's
0: struggling and she doesn't feel like there's yeah. anyone she can talk to
1: based on the fresh death of last night for yourself. How do you feel about Bonnie? Like you agree with her. You well, would feel that way too. I mean, we're letting everyone know about the centipede,
0: but well, I think, Oh, how would I have felt if Bonnie killed a centipede? Yeah, that's fine. No, no, yeah, no, no. She can do that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, high, I, this is I think, I think with, with Bonnie, she, she's the one who kind of articulates like, we could have just told the truth. I'd be out of this. Like yeah. we had just told the truth, like it was self-defense, maybe I'd be doing community service or whatever. I think like Detective Quinlan is talking earlier in the episode separate from the women right? Uh, and is talking about how uh, she has, you know, she, she's like, she was talking to a, like one of the partners and the partner's like, it would be like 12 months community service. Like it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Why would they lie? Yeah, And she's like, why would they lie? And so that is the question. I mean, like, why would they lie? And that hasn't really been uh, outwardly Asked, you know, yeah. internally within the women, mm-hmm. yeah, within the Monterey Five, uh, but I'm sure it will be, and I'm sure it'll be addressed. And I think Bonnie is the closest to asking that question because there's the scene where Madeline comes over to both check in on Bonnie, but also to check in on Abigail. Right. Uh, because Abigail doesn't want to go to school. Uh, she's very upset about <laughs> all of that. Uh, and Bonnie is the one who's like, we should, we, like, why did we lie? I, like, now I can't even talk to Nathan. I can't even talk to my husband. Like, they, they spent the summer at Lake Tahoe. Apparently, she had an awful time. She She was, like, very closed up. Yeah, and everyone else is
1: is sensing it.
0: Yeah, Nathan is trying to, like, be... Not even just, like, be intimate with Bonnie, but just trying to connect with her at all. And it sounds like, you know, we see it. We don't even just hear it. We see Bonnie and him have an interaction where she says like, I told you, just give me space. Just give me space. And, like, she doesn't say it in, like, any kind of way that's, like, uh, you know, too hardcore or anything like that. But um, certainly we can empathize with like why she feels that way. Uh, But I can imagine what it would be like from his perspective, like if he's already spent a summer with her away in Lake Tahoe and that was how she was feeling that whole summer. And now here she is. It's the start of the new school year she still needs that space and she's still saying like i need that space i'm not yeah. ready to talk about it you can imagine that being agonizing for a partner like oh, if, absolutely. if, I, if I, like i was like sitting on this thing that was like clearly rotting me from the inside out and i wouldn't talk to you about it for like 4 months straight and my interactions with you would be along the lines of like i just need some space emily just give me just give me a minute like that would be you know catastrophic for the relationship. Uh, yeah, so,
1: I'd have my own podcast about it. Where it's like, what's wrong with them, yeah. everyone? Help.
0: So it's, you know, <laughs> but but I think it, but I do think it's also very human. Like, you know, I, I think that like you can imagine like doing something so bad or at least you feel like it's something that's sure so bad. I'm sure it's the
1: guilt and the shame that's eating her yeah, alive. and yeah. And, you know, I think she always presented herself as someone with a strong moral compass wanting to do the right thing. Even if we didn't really see a multidimensional character from her from the first season, um, that's going to eat away at you.
0: Yeah. It's very caustic for her. Obviously it's very corrosive. And,
1: and her husband's also kind of an idiot. Well, he's a
0: little bit of a tool, but, you know, what, what, I do? what are you going to do? Should really shut off. Nathan's not out. Mr. Sensitive. That would be Ed. Uh, yeah. But with, with Bonnie, something that I want to, I uh, you know, it's something that we absolutely have to track because Bonnie is the closest to the cops, it seems like, right? Well, she's, she's at
1: like Carmel by the Sea, yeah. like down on the bottom steps, ready to walk in <laughs> at one like point. She's
0: like close, closest to, to hollering at the, at, the, at the police and being like, hey, so I this happened. I mean, it's happened. a total
1: unfaithful move.
0: Oh yeah, but, but I'm wondering. You just wanted to talk about Unfaithful. I really there do will be I a more natural segue to Unfaithful Can at some point. we podcast time. about it sometime? Maybe someday. Okay, cool. uh, with enough support, <laughs> I'm sure we could do anything. Uh, Thanks, Josh. But Bonnie is is like you say. She, like she like she's kind of like flirting with the idea of like going to the police. Like we see her like near the station. We don't know if she's talked to the cops or if she chooses to talk to the cops. Um, I wonder, and it's something to track. Uh, has she already talked to the cops? Is that possible? Ooh. Is it possible that she has already spoken with the police and we just don't know that yet? Uh, we, you know, the final, the very final image of season one of Big Little Lies is all the women on the beach and they're together and their children are dancing and the in the water and everything and everybody's together and we're seeing like the flashes of uh, we were watching this together uh, last night and you were so taken by it the the sequence of like the of the ocean just like pounding the rocks
1: and then Perry pounding intercut women. with like
0: Perry pounding the women and the women fighting <laughs> Back, Like, yeah, it, it is so elemental and great. This show is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and and the final thing that you see, like once like the, the, the ocean calms because Perry is dead, uh, you see from the perspective somebody far away has like is like taking a picture of the women.
1: No, it's not that it's just the, it's the cop who's been investigating it, the female cop. And she's got the lighter that she flips. That's the noise that you hear. It's not like someone taking a picture. The
0: final image of the first season, yeah. of Big Little Lies. There's like a blink. There's like a blink of like a of like a of somebody like taking a photo from a distance.
1: Oh, really? Is yes. That what it's
0: that like is? I mean. Well, anyway, listeners, we the correct clink. us. We hear sure. the
1: clink of the, the the lighter.
0: Yeah. So it's clearly her, but we see yeah. in this episode too that we get from we go back to that moment. We go back to the yeah. beach and we see from.
1: From her perspective. Well, we from see from Bonnie's perspective. perspective yeah. We see
0: that the detective is is further away. And uh, whether that's like something that's like playing into – because this is a show that plays with like visions and, you know, not quite hallucinations but plays with that sort of stuff. Uh, we're we're kind of left to wonder, I think, if, uh, you know – has she, Like, did that inspire her to already, like, talk to the cop? Is it something that she is remembering and thinking about and, like...
1: Yeah, knowing that she's been, been I like, just wonder. watched all along, basically.
0: I wonder. I mean, I think that she's, you know... The show is at least setting up our expectations that she's the one who will crack.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which she's is fascinating she's, cause she's like, the
0: one who has the most obviously to lose because she was the person who killed Perry. Right. So...
1: And then we... we I mean, I think it's a natural sort of progression to go to Renata, right?
0: yeah. Uh, and like, what's, what's up with Renata? I mean, she's not just, a ton in this episode, no, right? No,
1: but I think it's interesting the meeting that they all have in the parking lot about being called the Monterey Five. And yes. Bonnie is noticeably absent from this. Yes. And Renata's like, listen, listen, I'm friends with one of the women who talks to like the, the lead detective. And like they're I mean, the case is open, but it's not really being investigated. So like we have nothing to worry about. I don't know. Renata's kind of all over the place. Renata like went up to her second grade teacher and was like, "That was like, so funny." Yeah, like my daughter was bullied. Laura so, Dern
0: is yeah. so great, and, and I then love she's that. like
1: in a, like a power like the Power
0: One Hundred photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. She's like singing at the camera. It's yeah, so Diana
1: Ross song. So good. <laughs> um, so you know, I think she's definitely more in sync with a lot of the moms in the school obviously from all the events that transpired but she's still sort of power hungry and kind of nuts power 100
0: hungry yeah yeah
1: yeah so i don't know
0: i i i'm very excited though at the prospect of her being more included internally with the group yeah uh and like getting to see her interact with these people on like a more level playing field uh but i think that one of the one of the clear themes that the season premiere is establishing about the future of the show is about of, of like, you know, if the first season is about how um, a big lie is formed and how that can become like a bonding agent. I think that this is about like how a big lie dissolves and phrase and uh, in, in that same way. Wow. In that same way, like I That's feel a like
1: found way of looking at it. I like it.
0: Well, in the same way, I feel like Renata is like the the first friend of this group to fall out of favor with the rest of the group they don't really like her that much until the moment so uh, I wonder how that will all how that will all play out there's not a ton to talk about with Renata just yeah, yet, yet other than like it's great to see her with the group a little bit more it was and her great
1: husband's to... been drinking and playing with train sets. yeah
0: so let's talk about Confusing. that let's, let's talk about the husbands uh, a little bit uh, Gordon uh, played by Jeffrey Nordling uh, aka Larry Moss of 24 season seven fame uh, i forget the name of his character in mighty ducks three. Uh, but he is like the, the, the new Gordon Bombay in my, yeah, that's right.
1: I've been sitting here this whole time trying to figure
0: it out. You didn't, you you couldn't tell behind all of the, the copious amounts of whiskey he's drinking in the, the trains that he's playing with, but it's the guy ducks fly together. Huh? Yeah. All Um, right. So Gordon's playing with trains. That's it <laughs> That's <kinda> it. <laughs> it was a great it was a great moment it's
1: a little troubling
0: well I think that he you know he's been an expression as a character of like uh you know kind of like he probably is like a self modeled manly man like he should be more successful than he is in his life and he is less successful than his wife and that feels it feels like that does not uh play elegantly with this man like it feels like he's got a little like he maybe won't outright say i've got a problem with that but it seems like he's got a little bit of a problem with that and that's probably part of like what fueled his confrontation in season one with jane and uh, and, uh, madeline Madeline, where he comes to them at the at the cafe and like really throws down it's like like he need he needs something to do yeah so it's something to do right now is model trains he seems a a little kept a regular bobby bacala right there he's looking for the blue (laughs) rocket the blue comet or the blue rocket—I don't, I really don't remember. remember. Either way, I will say nothing further about that. Okay. Uh, so Gordon's doing that. Uh, Nathan is worried about Bonnie. He's still like kind of like i, I thought that it's it's somewhere between. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how I felt about the scene. Ultimately, overall, the scene between him and Ed.
1: Yeah, it felt that unnecessary. Felt like, you
0: know what? That it felt like Big Little Lies fanfic. Yeah, you know, it felt like fan fiction.
1: Make it, the husbands talk.
0: Yeah, and it's just like another like stereotypical Nathan and Ed have like this like weird tension scene that like probably didn't really need to happen. He's yeah, it like, felt snide. a little unnecessary. Snide, yeah, yeah, snide book. Yeah, you know, you just kept keep saying that
1: least valuable scene.
0: Uh, definitely. I think weakest of the episode, uh, for sure for me. Uh Ed is laptoping away while he's doing that. Maybe the weirdest scene or of the, the episode actually is yeah, this next <laughs> one where, where Tori, who is uh uh the great comic book artist Isaac Mendez's oh uh, wife, uh played by Sarah Sokolovich, uh which I obviously cannot pronounce correctly. Uh S- where they interact Solokovich. Solokovich is probably how you say it. Uh where where Ed and Tori they meet in the grocery store. And she uh, is like, hey, I'm sure you didn't recognize me. I've got, you know, I got breast uh, enhancement surgery. And he's like, uh, oh, uh, I forget exactly what he says.
1: She was like, I was feeling really self-conscious. And he's like, oh, about your
0: breasts? breasts." No, my nose. (laughs) So she got got implants uh, to distract from her nose. Which was funny. I thought that was just a funny moment. But are we are we building towards? Yeah,
1: are we gearing up for like a reveal on or, the infidelity side of things between Madeline? And
0: or are they, or is she like gonna try and sleep with Ed? Or is Ed gonna try and sleep with her? Is it gonna be successful? Is, or is it, it really just,
1: necessary to do any of
0: this? Or is it just gonna catalyze us towards like the confrontation between Ed and Madeline, which felt like it was happening in the first season finale, but clearly did not. Like right. it, it seems pretty clear that the traumatic event of the of the killing of Perry blocked that conversation from happening. Right. And there may be one thing that I'm thinking about is like, will it be something that's like made explicit later on in the season that like part of the motivation, like, you know, the subconscious, I would say the subconscious motivation for Madeline to, you know, put such a lid on killing Perry was like, now this is a new project I can I can focus on this. Uh, Rather than having to like confront, you know blowing up my marriage which was like gonna be like the next thing that she had to do like that little lie you know pales in comparison to the big little lie of yeah. what happened with with Perry and I don't mean that in like any kind of ma- malicious way necessarily I mean it like is that like you know sort of like internally did you kind of just like snap into that mode
1: I, I mean I think she'd been operating like that beforehand yeah like it didn't really come to a surface until Avenue Q got challenged and then you know all of this stuff sort of unveiled itself so I don't know
0: yeah we'll see so those are the husbands and a scars is still around in flashback form
1: Looking terrifying, but looking terrifying
0: chiseled. as usual. There's the kids. I don't feel like there's much more we need to add about the children.
1: Chloe looks older.
0: Chloe looks a little older.
1: Still DJing. Uh,
0: what did you think about the music in this episode? I really
1: liked the music.
0: Yeah, did you get? Did you have a favorite? Is there something that we're going to be listening to uh, all summer long?
1: I mean, it reminded me about how much I love like old Motown
0: hits. Mm-hmm. You are um, you're big. Uh, Emily Fox loves the Motown. I do. If she comes by it honestly. Her father loves the Motown.
1: The Motown? Yeah. You mean Motown?
0: I'm just taking a, a speech mannerism from Rob sister, He likes to put a the in front of uh, a lot of things.
1: Got it. All right. Well, uh, I'll Be Around by the Spinners. Great, excellent sort of uh, song to usher in everybody's first day of school. I love Usher. <laughs>
0: Have you ever seen him do the donkey roll? <laughs>
1: it's
0: really impressive.
1: Let me see that donkey roll. Yeah, another time. Okay, another time. Uh, one interesting parallel. What is it? Neil Young's Harvest Moon.
0: Right, which was in the first episode of season 1 as well? It was at least in season 1.
1: It's in season 1, I think it's the finale. I don't
0: where remember. Where she's on the
1: ground, lying on the ground, it's Neil Young playing. I feel like where like really? Perry's like get up, come on, get your stuff together, like figured out like she's sort of like like Celeste has been beaten up and she's in the bathroom and Perry decides he's going to take the kids to school.
0: I felt I felt like it was it was playing in a more in a, in a happier moment in the marriage, but maybe not. Whatever. Either way, it was, it was definitely in season one and it was like the actual Neil Young version. There was a cover right. of it. In so this there's one, a right? cover of
1: it in this one by Cassandra Wilson. Yeah. Um, which, surprisingly enough, she has a deeper voice than Neil Young does. Um, but it's it sort of brings you back. It, it makes you cognizant of former soundtracks and what was going on before. So right. there's like a parallel there that I really love. Then we had Suvjan Stevens uh, pop up at one point. And then, of course, I was saying the Diana Ross song that right. Renata is singing as she's doing her photo shoot. Those are sort of like the, the bigger songs that are they're no- noticeable.
0: Yeah. Um, let's get into some feedback. Yeah, let's we we got to start wrapping this thing up. So let's make sure that we talk about some feedback that you guys sent in. Again, best way to do that: postshowrecaps.com com slash feedback is our feedback form. Twitter also works. You can tweet at Emily at Emilyt. Uh, I am at Round Howard. You can tweet at the post show recaps Twitter account at post show recaps. This was from uh, Leo Rule Forever. Uh, seems like somebody who agrees with you about Leonardo DiCaprio Yes, uh, uh, I don't know if that's actually the, the case uh, please correct us uh, on, on the <laughs> issue uh, wrote in and said so I know why Perry is the way that he is his mother is a piece of work do you think that she's turning the twin boys against Celeste with her subtle shade and undermining her with her son can do no wrong attitude um, I mean it's funny because the, the scene that we get about uh, Mary Louise talking to the boys with Celeste present is, like, you have to obey your mother. Um, do you feel like she's she's turning their heads at all in yeah, other ways?
1: I could see that, for sure. I mean, she's manipulative enough in how she's sort of walked through the first episode, so why wouldn't she try to make herself look great and put others down? Yeah. Sort of seems to be her M.O. so far.
0: Yeah. Uh, Barbie Up wrote in and said, uh, there was a callback to Season 1, Episode 1, which I, I think that this, you know... It it, it ties nicely to what we were talking about with uh, Neil Young. Uh, Not necessarily the specific thing, but the fact that there were were a lot of callbacks. Yeah, 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 I guess is the point. Uh, And this is one of them is uh, Barbie Uprights. in when Madeline meets Jane in the first episode of the series, she says, I like you already. You're an intrinsically nice person. I have a nose for these things. Uh, And in this episode, Mary Louise burns Madeline with I find little people to be untrustworthy. You seem a nice person. You're a wanter.
1: Yeah. What does that mean? You're a wanter.
0: She wants things. That's what I, I know. And I think that's what she means. She wants
1: in on stuff.
0: You, you want in on stuff. You you want what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And those desires drive you to behave the way that you behave. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's 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 very fun that you do. You know, you have. It gets
1: turned around on her in terms of a, a snap judgment.
0: Well, in the first season, Madeline is such the power player in her interpersonal dynamics and here we now have this very powerful force who is uh, who has entered monterey and uh holds the mirror back up to, yeah. to madeline so true. i like that and i think that you know we could go over it with a really fine tooth comb going back over the episode and looking at all the different ways that there are uh you know echoes from season one through season two i'm sure it's going to be all over the place i really do think that there is this quality of like we're on the other side of the mirror. Like the Yeah, we're you know, watching
1: everything crumble now.
0: Well we broke we like broke through it with Perry's death and once we the audience were allowed to know what that was, now we're seeing everything like the kind of like the the twisted funhouse mirror version of what's on the other side of that. True. Cool stuff. The aforementioned Michael J. Clark uh wrote in and said, Hello, Please power rank the three remaining husbands as characters. Uh, so that would be Jeffrey Nordling as uh, Gordon, uh, Adam Scott, noted Survivor fan, as Ed McKenzie, <laughs> uh, and James Tupper as Nathan. The floor is yours, Emily. How would you rank the three of them and why?
1: I think Ed gets number one That's for That's a pretty sure. easy pick. Yeah. He's been a source of strength. Yeah. Calls Madeline on her shit but is also very kind.
0: Ed and Madeline are kind of like the dark real world versions of uh, Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. <laughs> it's like a very dark version of that.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right, fair. Still number one. Um.
0: Got to give it to Gordon, number two. I right? think
1: Gordon's number two.
0: Prolific capacity for drinking. It's impressive. <laughs> so deeply, 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 deeply troubling. But no, it's great with trains. I
1: actually think that he's probably, he's probably not three. a bad guy. He's probably three. Really? Uh, i think it's kind of a piece of crap
0: they're both terrible can they tie for a third place nathan
1: wasn't even there for abigail he was like a deadbeat dad
0: yeah he's a dbd
1: yeah and now he has like a second shot at being a dad and he seems to be like all better no he's just like walking around bullying people although you know upon reflection of uh the season finale of season one great voice
0: great voice
1: excellent voice really
0: great voice you were telling me Adam Scott was overdubbed yeah that was his real voice it doesn't okay. sound like him no so that makes it's like sense. very
1: nasally it's very well, no I
0: like the voice it just like it doesn't really match what I what I hear from Adam Scott when he's talking and like people their singing voices can be very different from how they talk conversationally but that's true uh, it was still it was very jarring uh, yeah. so that makes I mean you are a, a falsetto sense. so <laughs> that's right everybody knows that about me <laughs> everybody knows all about the Wanda voice uh, Dave Baker uh, writes in who's going off the deep end first let's limit that to the monterey five okay uh, so let's say madeline celeste jane bonnie renata who is going to to fall apart first?
1: i mean we kind of just said that bonnie seems like she's dissolving at, at a faster is it rate. too obvious it might be too obvious and in
0: a way like is that falling apart if she like goes to the police or is that like reclaiming some sanity yeah,
1: yeah. i don't know What's your definition, Madeline? Yeah, I'm
0: gonna go with Madeline.
1: Well, we're also being set up to think that everything's crumbling.
0: Maybe around not her first, but I think that she's gonna she's gonna go the deepest. Really, I think uh, I, I think that she you wouldn't because it's
1: gonna be revealed that she was the one that created the lie. Well,
0: well it already has been, right? No, like,
1: I know, but like for everybody to know.
0: Well, the, there's the potential for that, but there's also like the thing with Ed that she has run away from was Truth. this is the affair. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of lies behind her. I think that there's there's a lot there, and I I think. I think that Mary Louise for better and uh, likely for worse uh is forcing her to confront some of her some of her own darkness. That's true. Uh last one from our great friend Brendan Fitzpatrick, who binged the entirety of Big Little Lies on Sunday ahead yes! of the season oh my premiere. God,
1: Brendan. Uh seems yes. like a, that seems
0: like a fun way to do it. Uh he wrote it and said Who is your favorite of the five and why? And why is it Laura Dern as Renata after this episode? Because she's insane. The way she just casually throws out the bullying event of last year to the new teacher was so awkwardly funny. Uh, Do you have a favorite of the five? Of the Monterey five?
1: I mean, I think Madeline's my favorite. Because she's just so boisterous and crazy. I just love Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I think she's, I think it's like a wonderful role of hers.
0: Yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. co sign I mean, I love them all, but I think. Weekly Weekly uh, Reese Witherspoon is is tremendous, and I'm very happy about it. Correct. Um All right. So feedback, we'd love to get that from you guys moving forward. Again, pusho dot com slash feedback, and all of the ways to tweet our way. Um Any predictions for the future for the next week's episode? Episode two. It's called The Telltale Hearts. Very Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. The heart that's beating beneath the floorboards. Oh, I don't know. Right.
1: Do you feel like uh, Mary Louise has the ability to get physically violent? I don't know. I'm kind of wondering if that's going to happen. I don't like her shot against
0: Bonnie. I got to be honest.
1: No, but I like I can see her like slapping Celeste and Celeste being stuck in like this same groove of being like, it's my fault I did this. She's already a battered woman.
0: I could see something like that happening. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not. I hope not, too. Yeah, but I could see it. Yeah, I could see it um Emily before we close out because we are about to close out here uh I wanted to know if you would like to join me in taking one last moment to thank our sponsors for this episode and those are our friends over at true car
1: I would love to you'd
0: love to you know now Emily every car comes with its share of stories uh, that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date remember when you picked me up for our first date <laughs>
1: I didn't hit anything.
0: You didn't hit anything. My car got totaled on a different incident. Uh, the luxury <laughs> package you got after a big promotion or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. Emily Fox, prolific biker.
1: <laughs> we were just talking to my neighbor about how she I don't loves bikes. summer
0: biking. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth. When it's time to sell or trade it in, just go to true car. Simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions, navigation and moonroof watch as They bump up your value high mileage. You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet. So you can plan ahead. Wow. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer not available in all areas. Emily Fox, what else? We got to start wrapping up.
1: You know, wrap it up. Wrap it up. All I right. think we got this. I think, I think we covered some good bases today. I'm excited to see what happens next week.
0: You made a pork chop last night. You wanted to keep people apprised of, uh, yeah, a, of the cooking. Yeah, we sous vide pork chop Sous vide
1: We got a brand new sous vide With machine. a
0: stone fruit relish.
1: Yeah, I made a, like a peach uh, slob. I okay.
0: was hoping for red velvet cupcakes, gluten-free or otherwise. Would have one been for each
1: thigh. Fine,
0: One for each thigh would have been great. Uh, I would say that is a good note to end this on. <laughs> so that is our first of many Big Little Lies podcasts for you here. Talking about Season Stay 2, right Episode 1, Wig Little Lies here go. on Post Show Recaps. We will be back very soon with our Episode 2 recap. And by very soon, I mean like a week from now, we have to at least <laughs> see Episode 2. 1st so it's going to be about a week uh, the telltale hearts that's going to be really really fun uh, subscribe to post show recaps please post show slash iTunes to do that on iTunes uh, your ratings your reviews those are very very appreciated as we are uh, always hoping to rise in the charts if you've got honest feedback we love that positive is great but only if you mean it uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned here on post show recaps in the weeks and months ahead I'm very excited about the future of post show recaps as we are looking to oh to close out the Game of Thrones era and launch into some new stuff. Uh, that's going to do it for us.
1: Thank you for listening, guys.
0: Alright, bye. bye. Talk to you soon.